0: You don't have to believe everything that you're saying to yourself or everything that somebody else is saying to you. You can actually hold that stuff out in front of you and decide what lens you're going to look at that with. So I have to choose whether or not I'm going to look at that and say, yeah, I'm not enough or the truth about this thing is blank. And I get to fill in that blank because I get to choose what lens I'm looking at it with.
1: What's inside?
0: Discovering what you're made of and making the most of it with professional coach Ken Edwards. Helping you understand your gifts, honing your leadership skills, sharpening your natural instinct so you can enjoy a more fulfilling life.
1: Welcome back to the What's Inside podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Nordoff, and I'm sitting here with Ken Edwards. Ken, good to see you. Hey, Eric. (laughs) It's going to be a fun one today. Yeah. We have someone that I actually knew her before she came in here for this conversation. Yeah. And she is just a really, really sharp, sharp young lady. She is. Yeah. Alex Wagner. Yes. Joins us today. And we're talking about the topic of self-leadership. And in her role... She has a lot of self-leadership that she has to experience and learn to do. So, you want
2: to say anything more about Alex? Well, she has a good handle on the internal struggle of self-leadership, kind of the headspace, because it really has so much to do with what we tell ourselves and how we engage and overcome.
1: Yeah, she's so sharp. You're going to love this conversation. Let's listen to our conversation with Alex Wagner.
2: Alex, introduce yourself and tell us what you do and give a shout out for your company. Just, yeah.
0: Yeah. My name is Alex Wagner here in Franklin, Tennessee. I'm an agency owner with Symmetry Financial Group. And I've been an entrepreneur for the last five years now, which is kind of wild to say, but I've ever since my first career job, J-O-B, I've been in sales, so have mm-hmm. had a, a pretty tremendous sales background.
2: Yeah. And to think about being an entrepreneur for five years when you're so young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've accomplished a lot in a short amount of time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's wild. Time flies when you're having fun.
2: That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in this season, we're talking a lot about self leadership. And when I think about self leadership, it's, Everything from how do you organize your day, like what kind of planner do you use, to the disciplines that, and routines that you introduce into your life to help you engage and make your life more efficient, more productive, that kind of thing. And, and part of what we're trying to focus on this season is everyone has a different style. And so we have this continuum of highly structured individuals and people that are less structured. And one's not better than the other. They're just designs. And so I'm really trying to capture kind of your unique way of doing that according to your design. And so I just want to hear about that. So how do you lead yourself?
0: (laughs) That's an awesome question. I think any type of leader, leader, you've got to know yourself to lead yourself. And I'm super grateful to you, Ken, for the journey that we've been on since about April of 2020, because I've learned how to how to lead myself in a much better way. For those of you who are familiar with the Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP, which means I'm one of the not so structured type personalities. And I've learned to really embrace that. I've learned to really champion that in myself because just because I'm not a linear thinker or a planner per se, that doesn't mean I don't need structure. In fact, discipline equals freedom. And that's something that I've had to learn the hard way. Creating my own schedule for each week is something that I have to do for myself. And I've learned that creating the schedule for myself also gives me more energy. It simply is a game plan for my week so I don't spend any time figuring out what's next. I don't have any energy leaking out if I'm trying to figure out what do I need to do next here. I look at my schedule and I am not a day planner kind of girl. I'm one of my business partners, she's got the different colored pens and the the calendar and the day planner and I use Google Calendar. Google mm-hmm. Calendar is essentially my boss. And mm-hmm. so Anything I do throughout my week is going to be time blocked in there when I wake up, when I do my personal development, my workouts in there. And then, of course, all of my to-dos throughout the week for my agency are in that calendar. Included in that, what goes in first are my big rocks, the non-negotiables that for me, it's it's church on Sunday. Sunday is my recharge day. And that's kind of like my sacred personal time that really nothing comes between, but I schedule it out because if it's not in the schedule, I've realized it's not going to get done for me. I'm one of those people that can find other things to fill that time with if there's dead space. So Google Calendar is essentially my boss these days.
2: Yeah. So when you, you use the term rocks, what do you mean by rocks?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So big rocks are going to be those non-negotiables. For some people, that's that's going to be personal development, working out, maybe your journaling time, your writing time, whatever it is that family time is another big rock that people are going to put in there. And I'm young. I don't have a family yet. But I do put in there my time with my friends. I need that connection time because of my wiring. So I have that time in my schedule. But what I mean by big rocks are you put those non-negotiables in first. And then the other little rocks are gonna be those things that have to get done. They have mm-hmm. to get done to make my business move forward. And so for me, and in, in my particular business, it's gonna be booking appointments mm-hmm. and sitting with clients, as well as interviewing potential new agents to come on board my agency. So those are some of the little rocks that are in there. That's not to say that they don't make a big impact because without those little rocks, my business wouldn't move forward in any way each week. So yeah, hopefully uh, that that answers your question yeah, there. Yeah,
2: it does. Yeah, you said that discipline equals freedom. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. yeah. Can you say more about that, how that works for you?
0: Yeah. You know, discipline is one of those things that I've really had to embrace. It's not my natural wiring. And so in order to do that, I've really surrounded myself with people who are really good at being disciplined. And so I've I've learned that skill, but I like to think about it this way. One of my mentors, she kind of painted this picture for me and it's, it's really stuck with me ever since. If you think about your schedule and putting those time blocks in, you have boundaries, right? When you're blocking out your schedule. And so those boundaries are actually to create that freedom. What I mean by that is if we walked around the world and it was just wide open, no boundaries, it would be chaos, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're putting those time blocks in, they're kind of the guardrails. And it's amazing how when you're actually following those time blocks, how much time you have outside of your business. And so for me, that was a a really big realization. The more disciplined I am, the more time freedom I have outside of my work, which is really why I'm doing what I'm doing, right? To have that, that time freedom. So the reason for me that discipline equals freedom as well, I don't, think about. I don't have that monkey on my back, so to speak. I'm not thinking about all of the things that I have to get done. It's all right there in front of me. Mm -hmm. So I really like to lay out my week and have those guardrails in place on Sundays Mm -hmm. so that when I'm entering in Monday morning, I'm hitting the ground running with my schedule.
2: Yeah. You know, anytime I hear boundaries, I always think about this study that was done back in the 60s where they looked at playgrounds It was kind of a progressive time. They looked at playgrounds and they're like, oh, these fences are restricting the children because it's like they don't have the sense of freedom to play. So they did a a study and took down all the fences on the playground. Well, all the kids moved to the middle of the playground. (laughs) And they realized that when they took down the fences, they didn't feel safe. So when they put the fences back up, the children just naturally filled in the space, just like with a calendar blocking like you use, When you put those boundaries around your time, then there's a freedom to really fill the whole time in and you're protecting your personal time. If you don't block that way, it's so easy just to let it bleed into the rest of your life. Next thing you know, you're working when you should be enjoying your life.
0: Yeah, I learned that the hard way because for me, my work time was really bleeding over. There was no stop and start time. And what yeah. that does is it really creates bitterness and resentment. Mm. And I had to recognize that in myself. I have control over my day. If I don't own my day, it's going to own me. And so learned the hard way on that one. But I'm grateful that now I really understand this, this concept of time blocking and being disciplined with my schedule. It's just a much, much better way for me to live internally. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, Alex, I know a little bit about what you do, a very little, little bit, because I tried to do it and it was really, really hard. You know, one of the things that is part of your week, I'm assuming, still is making those calls to get your week started. And what I loved about your business was that you had, it was already pretty well structured. Like there was a suggested, on this day, you do this. On this right. day, you, you you make these calls. And then on this day is when you go out and visit with prospective customers. And what do you do? How do you lead yourself in knowing that you are going to need to make 200 calls in a given time block or whatever the number is? But you know you're going to have to make a ton of calls. There's going to be a lot of rejection, a lot of no's and a lot of no answers. How do you do that when you might not feel like doing it?
0: Yeah, that's an awesome question. Anybody who's in my circle knows I'm a really deep feeler. And so this is something I've had to learn to fight against is getting emotional about making those calls because it's very mundane. It's not the sexy part of the business, if you will, but it is the most necessary part of the business. Without those calls I don't actually have a business. And so when it comes down to it, I have to take all emotion out of it and focus on the numbers. It is a numbers game that I'm in. And so I get a no and it no means next for me. And I laugh if <laughs> for people who are in my agency they know I just kind of laugh it off and move to the next call. And so for me, it's one of those things where I can't get emotional about it because the second I get emotional is when the anxiety kicks in, right? And the phone really starts to feel heavy. It takes me out of the game if I do that. And I've been there, done that. I know you got to know yourself to lead yourself. And so I actually put a reward at the end of my day. If I hit my goal, usually it's a glass of wine or in the summertime going to the pool I've got to have something out there in front of me to chase. And so that's what's been really helpful for me. Another thing that's also been helpful for me, instead of focusing on this being phone calls, and we call it dials, that word really started to make me feel a certain way. So I had to transform that into connections, right? And so, when I put the word connection out there, that means I'm not going to connect with everybody. And so, my expectation is that I may connect with this person, I may not, but I don't have control over that. I just show up and do my best, right? Show up with excellence. And the people who connect with me, great. The people who don't, great. Move on to the next person. But it's really changed the way that I've approached dialing because now I get excited about making connections and seeing who's going to be on the other end of the phone.
2: You uh, have said twice that you know in order to lead yourself you have to know yourself. For the Enneagram people that are out there, would you mind sharing your Enneagram number? My
0: Enneagram number is a 2 wing 3. And 2s are known as the helper. So,
2: yeah, so How, besides, between the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, what other tools or methods or journey have you been on to know yourself?
0: That's a great question. I think oftentimes you've got to have the people around you who are able to hold up the mirror,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right? It's really hard to move about in the world without ever knowing what it's like to be on the other side of you. And so I've surrounded myself with incredible mentors that I'm grateful for, you Ken being one of those. And I'm grateful that I have people to hold up the mirror and say, hey, Alex, this is what it's like to be on the other side of you. And through that process, I've walked through the Myers-Briggs, I've done the Enneagram thing, and uh, I've also done Giants tool, the Five Voices, And that's been really helpful to learn my different tendencies, to learn my strengths, my weaknesses, and then to be able to work on those, to be able to either play to my strengths or work on my weaknesses. And so I believe that any leader, again, you have to know yourself to lead yourself, but you also have to know what it's like to be on the other side of you, because you may be experiencing one thing in your mind, but the person on the other end may be experiencing something totally different. So I'm just really grateful that I've been in a position with some really quality mentorship and leadership in my own life.
2: Yeah, I can't stress how important that is because you you can't know yourself by yourself. You, know, you <laughs> right? just can't. And so having that community, developing it, this is probably one of the most glaring things I see that's missing in people's lives. They may have friends, but they haven't developed a level of vulnerability and trust to ask the question, hey, how do I impact you? It's one of the most valuable questions you can ask your community. And then listen with a humble heart in order to receive. And so I just encourage listeners to consider that. like, Build your community if you don't have one. If you do, take the risk of asking people. I've given clients uh, homework assignments before to reach out to their customer base or pick 10 of their favorite customers or clients and just simply ask, what has my impact been on you? And it's been shocking some of the feedback that they've gotten. Uh, They've come in just surprised at uh, the impact because they just don't see themselves clearly. And so I just encourage you to take the risk of asking, inquiring, go deeper so you can learn and grow. And if you are too afraid to ask, find a therapist, get some help. <laughs> but sometimes people just get stuck and they get blocked and they just don't make any kind of progress. So do your work and be willing to engage more deeply. So I'd love that. And, and you do. I know your community, a lot of your community anyway and a lot of solid people that reflect back truth. Sometimes it's not fun.
0: Sometimes not, but that's the best way to grow. Yeah, you know, it it's, is. It is the best way to grow. And to that point, like there have been moments where the reflection back has been awesome. Like, wow, I don't see myself that way. I don't see myself mm-hmm. as a leader like that. And I'm grateful to hear that feedback. The other times it's kind of a sting, you know, yeah, sure. it's kind of a sting where it's like, wow, okay. I've, I've really got a blind spot here and, and I need to, to grow in this right. area. So grateful for the people who challenge you Mm-hmm. and support you, yeah. you know, that healthy balance of support and challenge is just so necessary for anybody who's out there leading themselves or, or even leading a team.
2: Right, and sometimes the good reflection is more difficult to hear. It is for me, often. Absolutely. The things that are sting, it's like, well, I kind of expect that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's yep. kind of like, well, yeah, I know that I'm this or whatever. And But we need to hear the positive too, Because often it reflects the impact of our motivated gifts, kind of where we're in our sweet spot. And so to to deny that, we're actually denying ourselves of a positive, healthy truth that might actually lead to greater freedom and impact in our work.
0: Absolutely. I think for me that that positive feedback is definitely tougher to Mm -hmm. receive because what it does is it fights against that narrative that you have in your mind. Yeah. About yourself. And I think we all struggle with that self talk, real.
1: Yes.
0: And sometimes when people reflect back to you something really positive, it's tough to take in because mm-hmm. of what you're telling yourself, the story you're telling yourself about yourself. And so I'm super grateful for the people who do go out of their way to reflect those positive things back to others. I think we need more of that, especially in business. I think we hear a lot of the negative feedback or the critiques or the challenges, but I would just encourage you, if you're in your circle, like be positive and share the positive feedback to other people because I promise it's going to be tougher for them to receive that. I know for me, that's, that's true across the board. Yeah.
1: So you changed the name of dials to connections to help you. What about when you go out on the road and you're you're meeting with customers? And I mean, I'm sure you have all kinds of stories. (laughs) I did in one day of trying to do it, of dealing with different types of people. How do you deal with the things that are out of your control, which is the customers that you're going to see, potential customers you're going to see? What are some mental and emotional battles that you face? But how do you overcome in those battles?
0: So good. That's a great question. Luckily, due to COVID, I know this isn't everybody's case, but I don't have to go out on the road. And I have a ton of stories. I was flying all over the country and driving to so many different appointments. And there's a lot of time to be in your head when you're out on the road and you're kind of by yourself, you're left with your own thoughts. And so the mind is a battlefield. It's simply a battlefield and you have to choose what's true and what's not. And so um grateful for your leadership, Ken, in the fact that you've helped me with some tools in, in this particular area where You don't have to believe everything that you're saying to yourself or everything that somebody else is saying to you. You can actually hold that stuff out in front of you and decide what lens you're going to look at that with, whether that's the self-talk narrative, right? And for me, that's just a, a narrative that I struggle with of it's I'm not enough. And I know a lot of people out there have that same one. So I have to choose whether or not I'm going to look at that and say, yeah, I'm not enough or the truth about this thing is blank. And I get to fill in that blank because I get to choose what lens I'm looking at it with. So all that to say, every day this stuff goes on. It's not a you arrive to a certain place and, and you've got it all figured out in this arena, but... That's really the thing for me, like, is this true or am I believing the narrative that's in my mind? And so that's one of the tools. Also, having people around you to, again, hold up that mirror and and tell you the truth about the situation has been really helpful for me. But I get excited about new opportunities and new situations that I get to put myself into. And it's up to me on how I'm going to respond, how I'm going to react. And so going into to people's homes, I was 25 years old, out there in the field, never had been in this industry or, or done this position before. And I just went for it. That's kind of the type of person that I am. I just go for it. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit messy. <laughs> I'm not a linear thinker. But my approach is, what's the worst that can happen? Right? What's the worst thing that can happen to me? So, yeah, mindset is so, so key, especially in my business. But I've realized that all of that transfers over in the day to day. So, protecting your mind, protecting what you're actually saying to yourself and believing about yourself, that's been an absolute battle for me. But it's been one where I finally feel like I'm able to have a victory over that.
2: Yeah. You're saying something that is so incredibly important because most people that I run into in my work, they don't take enough risk or large enough risk when they do, and they wind up holding themselves back. And so just like you're pretty gutsy, you just go for it because the question is, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? And sometimes we hold such a kind of fragile view of ourselves that we're afraid to take the risk because we fear what could happen instead of discovering what would happen. And so I appreciate the fact that you've done that internal work and continue to do it because it's also maintenance, right? Right. You have to kind of keep the street clean. Yep. And so doing that work so you have the freedom and the energy to go be bold, to go take the risk and reap the reward of having done so. Yeah. I was talking to an out-of-state client a few weeks ago about this very thing, and she was saying, I'm afraid I'm being too aggressive. Let's change the words because it's not about aggression. It's about being assertive. And I said, you need to run the risk of being too assertive because you don't know where the limit is yet. And part of what she wasn't recognizing, and I reflected this back to her, is that she just was being a little too Southern in her behavior. It was kind of being, air quotes, appropriate Southern girl where she needed to step into it a little more she could hold on to her femininity and her value system and her culture as well and be more direct. And and so, yeah, it's just important that we are willing to take those kind of risks. And sometimes when we think about self-leadership, we don't think about that because it's easy to kind of focus on the scheduling. I often do that. But it really is what gets in the way and how do you overcome obstacles in your life?
0: Yeah, taking a risk is huge. And I remember... One of my mentors asked me to actually fly from Nashville to Seattle. And this was a massive risk for me, just based on the the financial position that I was in, but also the mental headspace that I was in. And I remember this being the best thing that I ever did in my career to this point. And I've never looked back because if I can do that, if I can fly out from Nashville to Seattle run appointments across the country by myself, I can lead myself anywhere. It's those risks that really help you raise the bar and learn how much potential is in there. If you're living a safe and quiet life in your little box, you're never going to reach the potential of who you could be. And so it's moments like that where you're willing to step out, you're willing to take the leap that really teach you about who you are as a person
1: for show notes and relevant resources mentioned in today's episode. And if you'd like to reach out to Ken to see if coaching is the right next step for you, visit providentleadership.com that's providentleadership.com subscribe to this podcast and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting platform.